Star Wars 7x7 episode 1981 today. Myth, metaphor, and the Mandalorian. Punch it. Hey Rebel Riser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So, yeah, these are kind of, you know, bigger picture ideas about The Mandalorian, which before the show came out, some of the things that were talked about were the Western influences and the samurai influences, which of course harken back to some of the influences for the original Star Wars, a.k.a. A New Hope. And now that we have the first four episodes of The Mandalorian under our collective belts, and yes, episode five is dropping today, we will be talking about that on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. But now that we have these first four episodes, I thought it would be a good moment to check in on this you know, broader, deeper idea of what's happening in The Mandalorian. And it started out from the very first episode where when the Mandalorian goes to the armorer and gets a new pauldron, every time the forge is fired up and every time something's pounded, that's when we get the flashbacks to the Mandalorian's past, to that you know, terrible moment where his parents are running from Separatist battle droids, or presuming it's Separatist battle droids. They could be under the control of someone or something else, but... It seems like a reasonable supposition at this point. But the same thing happens in episode three when he goes back and has the whole load of Beskar and he's having a new chest plate, a new cuirass um, forged for him. That situation again with, you know, the banging of the metal and that coinciding with the visuals of his backstory. It really is a very strong metaphor for saying that that particular event in his life, in his young life, is something that, you know, metaphorically forges his personality, his life experience. It's a formative event in his existence. And thinking about that particular bit of visual storytelling got me wondering about the notion of the hero's journey and whether we are seeing that template being applied at all within The Mandalorian. And it kind of feels that way, but it almost feels like it's happening in reverse in a strange way. Like, if you think of Luke Skywalker's story, where, you know, we see him in the ordinary world of Tatooine, and then he's called to adventure by Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he refuses the call. He says, no, I can't go. Like, I gotta stay here. And then, you know, something happens where he has to, you know, decide to accept the call, as in Amperu and Uncle Owen getting killed. And he then goes into the special world, which starts with him crossing the threshold into the cantina. That's the start of it for Luke. And for the Mandalorian, it's kind of the reverse, but... Same template just happens differently. Actually, the Mandalorian seems to be in the special world at the start, right? He's a part of the Bounty Hunters Guild. He's doing all these jobs, but he transgresses against the Bounty Hunters Guild code and is subsequently kicked out of the guild and becomes pursued, becomes a wanted person, very much like the people that he was hunting down. So in a sense, he's kicked out of the special world and goes into the ordinary world, or he makes a choice that results in him having to leave the special world and go into the ordinary world, or he becomes 
just another one of the hunted. Yes, you know, maybe not just another one, obviously, because of his skill set and because of the incredible prize that he is guarding now, but you get the idea. And after episode four, we're starting to see the tests, allies, and enemies phase of the hero's journey manifest in The Mandalorian with the Clatoonian raiders and dealing with the ATST and the allies in Cara Dune and also the villagers that he helps out, similar to Luke having Han and Chewie and Obi-Wan Kenobi as allies and seeing and fighting Darth Vader or the stormtroopers for the first time and dealing with all the trouble inside the Death Star, same kind of idea. So it does seem like the Mandalorian is following to some degree the notion of the hero's journey. And it's one of those things where Robert McKee, who's the guy who is one of the preeminent teachers of screenwriting in Hollywood, talks about form, not formula. And you could definitely say the hero's journey is intended to be a form, not a formula. So you can diverge from it from time to time as needed, but it certainly provides an interesting guide to telling that kind of story. And it does look like the Mandalorian is doing that and yet subverting some of the tropes and traditions of that story on its way. As for what this might mean for the Mandalorian going forward, well, we'll get to that after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the asteroid belt level at patreon.com SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com SW7X7 and look for the asteroid belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com SW7X7. Welcome back. So because of the fact that Yojimbo was mentioned as one of the big influences on The Mandalorian and Pedro Pascal was apparently advised to pay particular attention to that movie. Well, the deal with that movie is that the samurai, the Ronin, who is the main character of the movie, is ultimately pitting two rival crime bosses, crime syndicates against each other. And... In thinking about that with The Mandalorian, there are a couple of ways you can think about that. You have the Bounty Hunters Guild, you have the Empire, and you have the Mandalorians themselves. You have three particular factions here, and it seems to me like the Mandalorians and the Empire make for the obvious situation of two opposing forces, except that in Yojimbo, the Ronin wanted both of those crime syndicates to fail, and I'm pretty darn certain the Mandalorian wouldn't want the Mandalorians to fail, and wouldn't necessarily want the Bounty Hunters Guild to fail either, necessarily. I mean, that's certainly what was providing the Mandalorian with work, unless he now has to, you know, rise above that notion. But there is a scene in one of the previews that we've had previously, trailer, D23 special look, something like that, where... It looks like the Mandalorian and Grief Karga are actually working together and shooting stormtroopers. So it occurs to me that the Mandalorians and the Bounty Hunters Guild may end up teaming up to fight the Empire. And we may be getting our appearance from Moff Gideon very soon. I'm saying this, of course, knowing that you could be listening to this and episode 5 of The Mandalorian is already out. And it's like, oh yeah, that already happened, Alan. Great. Well, you know, I'm recording this on Thursday evening, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm making the educated guess. I'm very curious to see how this all plays out, as I'm sure you are, and seeing how this ultimately overlaps with the rest of the hero's journey, if it does. But we'll take a look at that in future episodes of the show here. But for now, I think that it does look like we are following a path that's very similar to the hero's journey for the Mandalorian. And that is where I'm going to leave things here for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the Parsec you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.